I want you to hit me as hard as you can. We got one! Well, actually, we got two. After its release in 1984, Ghostbusters became one of the most profitable movies of the 80s, so it's no wonder that work on a sequel started soon after. 1989's Ghostbusters 2 also made a bundle at the box office, pushing the two movies collectively over a half billion dollars worldwide. But getting Ghostbusters 3 to the screen in a timely manner, or at all, would prove to be quite a challenge. Disaster of biblical proportion. Instead of an anticipated threequel getting released a few years later and again dominating the box office, it became a case of, we came, we saw, we got stuck in development hell. It would take all the way to 2016 before another Ghostbusters would hit theaters, bringing its own share of controversy along with it. So let's cross the streams and find out what the fuck happened to this movie. The box office success of the first two Ghostbusters made the property one of Columbia's most profitable in the studio's history. In fact, with its $238 million total, the first Ghostbusters stood as the studio's highest grossing movie for over a decade. And let's not forget the plethora of merchandise that has come out since. Action figures, Halloween costumes, cereal, Ecto Cooler, and of course, the envy of every kid on the block, the Ghostbusters Firehouse playset. There's also the Oscar-nominated theme song, which hauled in another $20 million on its own, although lawsuits would prevent Ray Parker Jr. from ever fully cashing in on his one-hit wonder. But Ghostbusters 2 wouldn't hit screens until five years after the original. To tide over fans, Columbia and Dick Enterprises released the animated series The Real Ghostbusters in 1986. It ran over 140 episodes and lasted until 1991, two years after Ghostbusters 2 had exited theaters. Talk of a third entry in the movie series was inevitable, but nothing materialized at the time. And so the franchise sat relatively dormant until 1997, when another animated effort, Extreme Ghostbusters, aired on TV for three whole months. It was clear that the fans wanted to see the original quartet together again in live-action form. So did Ray Stantz himself, Ghostbusters co-creator Dan Aykroyd. In March of 1999, Aykroyd completed a screenplay titled Ghostbusters 3 Hellbent. The story went to an alternative universe Manhattan where demons roamed the streets. Ghostbusters co-writer and Egon Spengler, Harold Ramis, noted that the movie would inevitably have high production costs for the special effects needed to create a netherworld full of phenomenal visual environments and boiling pits. The story would also feature a new gang of Ghostbusters to be mentored by the famous foursome. However, a clause in the contract for the original talent proved to be a roadblock, stating that the movie could be halted should there be any objections or cast holdouts. The most significant holdout was Bill Murray, which may come as no surprise considering his alleged reputation and stubbornness. He described the idea of doing another sequel as a nightmare. It was no secret that Murray was not a fan of 1989's Ghostbusters 2. Come to think of it, neither was producer-director Ivan Reitman, who stated the sequel, quote, wasn't as fun to make as the first one. The idea then shifted to ditch Peter Venkman altogether, shoving him off screen to spend time with Dana Barrett, played by Sigourney Weaver in the first two movies, and, presumably, Baby Oscar, who proved to be quite the little spirit magnet in Ghostbusters 2. This would allow the up-and-coming Ghostbusters to be mentored exclusively by Ray Stantz and Egon Spengler. Retitled Ghostbusters in Hell, the restructured plot would transport the Ghostbusters into a parallel dimension via a portal in a New York warehouse. Murray, they hoped, would appear as a ghost, while Ramis sought to recruit Ben Stiller for additional comedy chops after his breakthrough with the Farrelly Brothers hit There's Something About Mary. And yet, the project went nowhere, so fans would have to settle for only two live-action Ghostbusters movies. 
But there would be another way to get the four Ghostbusters on screen together, even if it was only through Playstations and Xboxes. Ghostbusters the Video Game was released by Atari in summer 2009. Set two years after the events of Ghostbusters 2, the game finds the player as a rookie team member, joining the four veterans to once again defeat paranormal entities in New York City. The original actors apparently had no issues reprising their roles so long as it was for a video game. Even then, Murray and Ramis, estranged since Groundhog Day, handled their recording separately. Even Max von Sydow showed up to help bring Vigo the Carpathian back to life. With those elements in place, and some creative input from Aykroyd and Ramis, Ghostbusters the video game served as something of a stand-in for a third movie, essentially creating a trilogy. Ironically, this third installment would be just the catalyst to really get another movie into production. The game sold so well, eventually moving 3 million copies, that Columbia decided to officially make Ghostbusters a cinematic trilogy. The studio hired Gene Stupnitsky and Lee Eisenberg to write a new script, having filed Ackroyds under D for development hell. During their partnership, Eisenberg and Stupnitsky had collaborated on NBC's series The Office, earning an Emmy nomination for writing the classic episode The Dinner Party. With nudging by Ramis and Aykroyd, filming on the new Ghostbusters was expected to begin in 2010, with a tentpole release planned in 2011. Aykroyd himself would defend the new screenplay, citing a particularly good role for Bill Murray. Still, Murray remained unimpressed with the writers, whose movie Year One, directed by Harold Ramis, he purposely avoided. Stupnitsky and Eisenberg would exit the project in 2012. Ivan Reitman brought in Eaton Cohen, not to be confused with Cohen brother Ethan Cohen, although these efforts would also not become the final screenplay. The production timeline shifted to a summer 2013 release. This was swiftly changed to 2014, with Columbia hoping to capitalize on the original movie's 30th anniversary. But there would be one notable and tragic snag at the beginning of 2014, the death of Harold Ramis. Following the comedy legend's passing, Reitman agreed to step down from the director chair, out of respect to the late Egon Spengler. This would call to the forefront another contract clause from the mid-80s, that Reitman had final approval of director. The studio approached the Lego movie duo Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who turned down the opportunity. Columbia then made the call to Paul Feig, whose R-rated comedy Bridesmaids had made $288 million, and whose TV credits included cult favorites Freaks and Geeks and Arrested Development, not to mention The Office, where he directed an episode written by previous Ghostbusters scribes Stupnitsky and Eisenberg. Feig announced the script would be started from scratch, teaming with Katie Dippold, who wrote Feig's successful 2013 comedy The Heat. There was still the issue of Bill Murray. Seriously, how could anyone imagine a third Ghostbusters movie without Peter Venkman? It would come down to one of the approaches that had been kicking around for years, to make the new movie something other than a direct sequel. This new Ghostbusters aimed to be a franchise reboot, removing itself entirely from the universe depicted in its predecessors. Then came the issue of casting. Feig and Dippold set out to make their Ghostbusters installment as fresh as possible. The primary difference wouldn't just be that it focused on a new generation of Ghostbusters, but would feature an all-female team. The intention here, Feig noted, was to quote, tell a story you've seen before, but in a way you haven't seen it. Naturally, this decision was fully embraced by the internet community. Even after years of legal complications and production hiccups, the decision to cast four female leads as the Ghostbusters proved to be the movie's biggest controversy. This began with Winston himself, Ernie Hudson, who simply called the idea bad. However, he couldn't have considered it that bad, since he would agree to turn up for a cameo. The backlash from Ghostbusters fandom was immediate, with many sexist uppercuts directed at the very idea of an all-female cast. Paul Feig put it a little more bluntly, stating, Geek culture is home to some of the biggest assholes I've ever met in my life. 
Sony executive Tom Rothman went further, noting the increased publicity that the naysayers were giving it. He retorted, can we please get some more haters to say stupid things? But the idea got the support of Dan Aykroyd, whose own 1999 draft included two men and two women as the new recruits. Answering the call as the new Ghostbusters would be Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones. Aside from McCarthy, the team members were Saturday Night Live regulars, topping the original movie's two SNL alumni in Aykroyd and Murray. Instead of donning a proton pack to reprise his iconic role, this time Murray would appear in a cameo as Martin Heiss, a ghost denier. His character would be thrown from a window to his demise, which plays as a poetic tongue-in-cheek interpretation of Murray's feelings on the production. Also appearing for cameos, as totally different characters, would be Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts, most notably missing was Rick Moranis, who opted out, stating he didn't want to do, quote, one day of shooting for something I did 30 years ago. Joining the movie as dreamy receptionist Kevin was Marvel god Chris Hemsworth. With a budget that eventually reached $144 million, the effects-heavy movie began production in July 2015, with a release on the calendar for summer 2016. The plot involves the women setting up a ghost-busting business in Manhattan, joining forces to stop an occultist who has taken an interest in bringing the end of days. This villain would be played by Neil Casey, who keen observers may remember from Paul Feig's short-lived sci-fi web series Other Space. Shooting wrapped on the movie in October 2015. By the time the first trailer was released in March 2016, everyone must have completely forgotten how angry they were by the casting, right? Listen. You smell something? Nope, at one point the Ghostbusters trailer was the most disliked video on YouTube, with 1.1 million thumbs down. The vicious and generally vulgar backlash was based around skepticism and downright nastiness. There were jabs about it being a shameless cash grab, and accusations of the studio pushing that favorite internet grievance, AN AGENDA. There were complaints that it wasn't Ghostbusters 3, and incessant bashing of the cast's women, if not the entire female gender. The Ghostbusters production team would get their own retort when reshoots took place after the initial trailer dropped. In the added scene, they scroll through the comments section of a YouTube video and have an appropriate response. And you shouldn't be reading this stuff. You're not supposed to listen to what crazy people write in the middle of the night online. Unsurprisingly, with a cast known for their improvisation skills, the initial cut of Ghostbusters ran over four hours. The movie was trimmed to less than two hours for the theatrical cut, at the same time losing character development and creating plot holes. The home release would get an extended cut, with restored footage elaborating on the characters and their motivations, and adding even more dancing to the movie. While Feig and company were supposedly doing their own thing with the new Ghostbusters, it still had multiple callbacks to predecessors. From the modified vehicle, to the questionably safe spirit-collecting apparatus, to an appearance by a familiar green glutton. The team also faces a manifestation of that famous ghost logo, and there's even a billboard in Times Square promoting Twinkies with a notable tagline. That's a big Twinkie. And there's an obvious sequel setup in the mid-credits with a reference to the demonic gatekeeper from the original movie. What's Zool? With the online animosity continuing until the movie's release and beyond, Ghostbusters opened on July 15, 2016, and landed at number two with $46 million, before grossing $128 million domestically and $229 million worldwide. Although internet comments sections and user ratings were brimming with harsh reactions, the movie was met with overall positive reviews from actual critics, hitting a 74% average on Rotten Tomatoes, and receiving nominations at the Saturn Awards and the People's Choice Awards. 
More finger-pointing for the movie's box office shortcomings and lackluster public reception came from one of the franchise's key players, Dan Aykroyd. An executive producer on the movie, Aykroyd went on to praise the cast, but publicly called out director Paul Feig, stating that he spent too much money and wouldn't shoot scenes that were suggested to him, only for poor test screenings to determine that they were necessary, and prompting additional shooting. Aykroyd claimed these reshoots cost an extra 30 to 40 million dollars, although the studio countered that the figure was only 3 or 4 million. Either way, the movie ultimately proved too expensive for another entry in the reboot to be considered. You! You worthless piece of slime! But after more than three decades, and some pandemic-related delays, fans will finally get their much-anticipated Ghostbusters 3. Titled Ghostbusters Afterlife and directed by Jason Reitman, son of original director Ivan Reitman, the movie will ignore the events and very existence of 2016's Ghostbusters, which should make some corners of the internet overjoyed. Set 30 years after the events of 1989's sequel, the new movie follows a family discovering their connection to the original foursome. Among the cast is Paul Rudd, Carrie Coon, McKenna Grace, and Finn Wolfhard, who already got an unintentional wardrobe fitting on Stranger Things. By making Afterlife a direct sequel, and reuniting Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts as their original characters, Reitman's goal was to quote, hand the movie back to the fans. We'll see how audiences and the online community respond this time around. Thank you for watching. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Videos channel, tell your friends who like this sort of content, and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all our latest videos. We are an independent company, and we appreciate your support.